I'm Matt Brownell. And I'm Van Owens. And I'm Tim Adams. Welcome to Climbing the Mountain, where we dive into the scriptures and discuss themes, connections, and real-life application. We're kicking off a series here where we're going to examine the Sermon on the Mount and discuss implications for this teaching for Christians today. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We have been discussing do not judge. We've had a lot of good things. We finished with how to do, uh, how to work through this in community. And uh, one of the things that we were talking about uh, in the dead time in between podcasts was we have a lot of questions. And like any good Jewish discussion, uh, there's always more questions than answers. Um, and I, I want to intro this because. With this discussion, it can be very easy to ask a lot of questions and try to come up with an answer to every question and a neat, clean answer. But like a good Jewish discussion always has questions for you to wrestle with and marinate and keep in the back of your mind and think about and and kind of let it sit for a little bit until you can find an answer um, in the text and how you can figure out how to use the Bible and what it's saying and kind of what how to apply things. And so I hope you don't feel after this that, wow, they didn't answer anything. Hopefully we gave you some good things <laughs> to chew on, but hopefully we also gave you some questions that you don't know so you can go back and wrestle with them. So we're going to read the passage and we're going to get into some questions. Matthew 7, don't judge or you too will be judged. From the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Don't give dogs what is sacred, don't throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Thank you. All right, we're back to eyes. It's maybe the most, well, it's one of the most sensitive parts of the body. And Van, you were talking about how sensitive you are with them. I'm, I feel like I'm the same way. I can't even put Visine in my eyes. It like freaks me out. And I have to do a trick where I turn sideways and it's on the corner and, and then it rolls in and I'm like trying to pry my eye open at the same time because it's like, oh, it must close, get it out. And the idea of, of anyone touching my eyes is like, ah, oh, no, no, thank you. I don't, and, and especially if someone had like dirty fingers, can you imagine? That's how you get pink eye, right? I mean, I anyway. Think, I think everyone in Jesus's day probably had dirty fingers. <laughs> yeah, that's a horrible. Just si- side note. <laughs> Horrifying thought. Uh, Galatians 6.1 says, If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. I think this verse speaks a lot to what we've been talking about, the how. And so, you know, it's not that we never judge, make judgments, uh, but we don't want to be planking. Can we speak? A little bit how important this aspect is of gentleness, the spirit. I I always think gentleness denotes a like you have to understand to be gentle. You have to be intentional. Um, I have a three year old boy, 
And for those of you uh, either in the room or listening who've never interacted with a three-year-old boy, they're basically tornadoes that can say a few words. <laughs> and so we've had to talk to my son about learning to be gentle and learning to touch gently and learning to hug gently. And uh, maybe daddy doesn't always want you to do WWE moves onto him while he's sitting on the couch. <laughs> And nobody in the house except for daddy is okay with that ever. Um, but, but it takes a lot of intent to be gentle. And it takes a um, – my, my default is harsh, is quick, is, is to try to say things fast to get a quick result. And this is the opposite of that. Restoring someone gently requires you to take, have patience, to seek understanding, uh, which is the thing mm. we talked about last pod. And, and so – when when he's when Paul writes to restore him gently, restoring gently is what, in a lot of ways, Jesus is talking about. To once you remove the plank from your own eye, once you have understood your own sin, once you have understood your own shortcomings, once you've seeked understanding—is it seeked or is it? Never mind. <laughs> English is hard. Uh, once you've seeked understanding, then you can remove the plant, the very small thing in a way that's gentle and that builds up your brother. Mm. That's great. I also thought of my kids with, with this. Uh, one of my sons is really sensitive to correction. He's a perfectionist and gets his sense of worth from what and how people talk to him, mm -hmm. especially me and his mom. Mm -hmm. If I'm honest, I'm pretty sure he gets it from me. Um, this insight is definitely in the takes one to know one Rome. Mm -hmm. I can't ignore his sin, but at the same time, I have to be very careful about having a spirit of gentleness with him, of love. Otherwise, it is very easy to crush him and send him into despair where no chance of growth is going to mm -hmm. occur. Yeah, I think that um, the thing that I have had to tell myself is that whenever I'm in any situation with anyone, that gentleness is always a requirement because we're all, we're all um, fragile souls. Mm. And sometimes the people who seem least fragile are the most fragile. And that gentleness is like you said, Jim, gentleness has to be intentional. You have to you have to intend to be gentle. But it comes from a place of love. And this is when the kind of judgment that Jesus is talking about throughout this whole passage is different from the sort of natural connotation we have of that word. Mm -hmm. Is that that the gentleness is always required because some people, like you were talking about your son, Matt, he needs it. Because if you don't provide that for him, you could easily crush him or make him feel like whatever you're asking him to do is way beyond him. Mm. But even the hardest person needs the gentleness to kind of disarm them sometimes. Mm. Because people are hard or overbearing or stubborn, not for no reason. Something happened to make them that way. And... It, all I have to do is just imagine what if God was everything else that he is except not gentle. Ooh. Imagine what my day would be like 
if God was not gentle, if every time I sinned, Hmm. I got a lightning bolt or just a slap in the back of the head or something went wrong in my life or I got ill again, then I would always be ill. I would always be getting slapped in the back of the head. I would always be getting, he, he leads us gently. Yeah. So Van, I resemble that remark of the ones that uh, come, come across as the, the hardest or the ones that are actually the most you know, hurt on the inside. Right. I am going to therapy for that, have been for a while, will yeah. continue for a while. But I, I think the times in my life where people have, you know, been gently restoring me and seeking understanding of me and where I could, I have this thing where I, uh, and my wife says it and she can notice it, where she's like, you clench your fists like you're ready to fight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not wow. not literally ready to fight. I'm mm-hmm. too old for that. But figuratively, I get ready to fight. I get ready for a battle. And um, when... I've been restored gently and talked to gently. I there's this thing where it it makes me kind of unclench and mm-hmm. I can relax. And when I feel understood and when somebody seeks understanding, I can I can the the tension in my body and in my heart just goes down and I can mm-hmm. actually hear and then I can be restored. But when I have that like clenched like tension, I really can't be restored. I'm in that, Hmm. you know, state of, yeah, I'm in the defensive state. You know, something you said earlier about patience being part of being an element of this uh, reminded me of a couple things. One, Ephesians 4, 2 and 3, where it talks about unity. It says, be completely humble and Mm -hmm. gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. I think that kind of humility, gentleness, patience uh, is so key in anything we do, but especially in this area. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the humility to ask and not assume that you know what's best for someone else, the gentleness to, to... to say it in a way that can be received and the the patience to work with someone through something and not expect it to happen at a snap of a finger. I think uh, it reminds me of a quote, I think in one of the, the Covey books, The Habits of Highly Effective People. There's a, a really quick thing. With people, slow is fast and fast is slow. Mm. Yeah, Matt, I, I I really appreciate what you said about patience because um, even when we're talking about restoring people, and even we haven't totally talked about it, but restoring relationships with people, um, it happens when it happens. Mm. And we can't put arbitrary timelines on, like we want to say, okay, well, I removed the plank, now let's go get this spec out. But sometimes that spec is, is buried. Mm. Sometimes that speck is is embedded in the eye, and it takes time to get that thing out. And it doesn't happen on my or our time frame. It happens on the time frame it happens. And the challenge with us is we have to be a lot more patient and bearing with people mm-hmm. and res- keep restoring them gently while they go through while they go through the process of getting 
the speck of sawdust out. Mm-hmm. But understanding that it won't happen on my t- on the time frame that's convenient for me, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I think that the 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 other thing that I think about as we're talking about all this is it it feels good to hear the words and to say the words, but the when I think of my upbringing, I was not raised to be gentle. Hmm. That gentle was something that was considered. Um, effeminate for a man, that a, that a man is tough, that a man is hard, that a man calls it like, sees, like he sees it. And um, I thought of this quote. It's actually a quote that I learned from a movie I was watching, um, but it's from D.H. Lawrence. And he says, or said, the essential American soul is hard, isolate, stoic, and a killer. It is never yet melted. Wow. And I thought that is that is something that I feel sometimes. There's a there's a drive that can combat the drive to be gentle, and that's the drive to be heard, the drive to be manly, the drive to be um to be pull pull myself up by my bootstraps, tough. American man. Mm-hmm. And it and I agree with the quote of D.H. Lawrence that that is what the American soul has been sort of historically, but it's not what a Christian soul is no. at all. It's not who Jesus was. And said that. and Jesus was Jesus was gentle and humble in spirit. And again, it's so easy to sloganize those words because that's what you feel like you need. But when you're in your day to day, it's a it's a constant struggle, and it, which again is why we need to do this in community. Yeah, because we need to help each other with that when it surfaces. Yeah. Is that you know you look at somebody like Jim? You shared about how you are somebody who looks hard looks like somebody who'd be tough. You're a big guy. You're a tough looking guy. But when you need to be confronted with something, you respond better to gentleness. Absolutely. But I, when I'm going to respond to somebody like you, thinks, no, I need to be tough with this guy because he's a tough guy. (laughs) Yeah. Van Van used that in a sermon once. He's like, Jim, he looks tough. I don't think I look particularly tough. He's like, he's a hockey player. You do look pretty tough. Eh, whatever. <laughs> I'm too old to be tough. <laughs> but no, it, it it's a good point that like I even the people that look that put on the look and Jesus actually says you hypocrite which is mm-hmm. here uh it's it's a ter- hypocrite is is somebody who's playing a role mm-hmm. more than it is like a person who's like duplicitous. Um and like a it's not it's less uh it's more of like you're being an actor, you're playing a role and from being somebody who at one point aspired to be a tough guy and who still kind of can look the part and project the part even when I'm not trying to um it really is playing a role. I mean it's playing a it's it's acting. It's not that's not who I am on the inside. I'm not tough on the inside. I'm actually soft. I'm I'm I saw a cartoon once that was like a guy 
who, you know, this big tough guy, and then like inside of his head was this little kid mm-hmm. alone crying in the corner. And I was like, that's, that's me. We all are. I mean, that's, and I think we all are, but I saw that and was like, I am that. Like, I project this thing, but really, I'm a scared little kid. And the scared little kid comes out a lot. Mm-hmm. So. Hmm. Wow. Well, let's continue in Galatians 6. Because in the next verse, Paul says, Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. How do we fulfill the law of Christ through restoring each other gently and bearing each other's burdens? Mm. So I think this is a this is a helpful thing for me to remember. Fulfill means to live it out huh. well. So when Jesus says, I've not come to abolish Torah, but to fulfill Torah, he's saying, I came to live it out as it was supposed to be lived. And I think when I read that like with those eyes, um, restoring each other gently in the ways we all just talked about gent- gentleness, like the you, you can come to people with a gentle word or a harsh spirit, and and if you come with a gentle spirit, they're going to respond, and then they need you to they need to be walked with. They need someone to be patient with them while they, you know, the little kid in gym, uh, the scared little boy, gets loved and nurtured and cared for. I need people to be patient with me and to not rush the time frame of restoration, um, to be able to go through the process of being restored. And I, 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 this all sounds really nice and it all sounds good. And as I'm talking, I'm like, yeah, this sounds amazing. And, and yet there are so many reasons we don't do it. Mm-hmm. And we don't restore people gently because it's quicker to just use a harsh word mm-hmm. or a harsh tone. Get in line. Yeah, come on. Like I got, or we live in 21st century America in Boston, which is the most ridiculously <laughs> busy place on the planet. Mm-hmm. Although Tim lives in Western Mass, which it's a little slower. A little slower, <laughs> but it's still Massachusetts, so there's some baked in things. But we live in this city that is like so busy all the time where people just do so many things and they never take a break that it's we get the i have places to be i don't have time to go through the process of restoring relationship and restoring people in community that takes too much time Mm -hmm. and so when we are actually doing that when we actually use our time that costs something. I think there's it's mm-hmm. there is a cost to doing this. And we'd be lying if we didn't say there was. When we take our time and energy and our resources to do that, we are fulfilling. We're living out what God created us to do and what God wants us to do. We're living out what the scriptures say, what Torah says when we're living like this. Yeah. I think it is about I mean, we talked about it before about the fulfillment of the law being love. We talked about it in uh, Romans again, Paul. But in this particular place, um, I was thinking about how Paul defined love in 1 Corinthians 13. And I think what I get here is when we bear each other's burdens, we're loving like Jesus. 
And what does it say in Isaiah 53? It says he took up our pain and bore our suffering. We're, per, we're, we're putting ourselves in this kind of uncomfortable place and engaging with someone, wading into their issues, mm-hmm. being vulnerable. It's, it's tender territory. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to tread in a spirit of love. And the way Paul describes it, the first two things he says are things that we've been kind of circling around. Love is patient. Love is kind. Don't, don't be impatient when you seek to restore a brother or sister. We were talking about that. It, it might not be quick. It'll, it'll probably involve a lot of prayer, like the, the context of James 5. Paul goes on to describe other aspects of love like it does not dishonor, dishonor others. It's mm-hmm. not self-seeking. We should never correct others because it makes us feel better about ourselves because mm-hmm. that would be exactly the opposite of what Jesus is talking about here about judging and comparing and justifi- justifying ourselves. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Mm-hmm. In the church, we have an eternal family and and we're here to have our backs and assume the best and trust and um, at the same time, if we see someone fall, we, we, we go to help them up. We, we don't ignore them. When you were talking, I was thinking of the difference between uh, when someone falls, telling them, hey, get up, get up and go. Let's mm-hmm. go. We got places to be. And, uh, and then kneeling down next to them mm-hmm. and saying, hey, you fell. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Do you need a hand? Here's my hand. Let me help you up. And then you can walk, I'll walk with you until you feel better. Mm-hmm. Mm. I like that, Jim. Yeah. I'm not sure we have enough time for another question, but uh, let's, let's summarize where we've been. We've, we've talked about how Jesus calls us not to judge and that basically and we'll see in the rest of the chapter, there is this ultimate judge, God. We've talked about how if we've got something in our eyes, uh, you know, we should deal with our own sin. We should judge our own sin because there is an ultimate judge. And it's uh, in line with Romans 14. It talks about who are you to judge someone else's servant? We are all on the same playing field. I liked what you were saying earlier, Tim, about you know, when you approach someone, you remember, oh, they're my brother, they're my sister, mm-hmm. I'm their brother. We're not God. God is that ultimate judge. And, and uh, Paul says, uh, to their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. God has justified us. We don't need to condemn. And that's uh, the heart that we're to have. We... How we, how we take this scripture, because God isn't saying don't, you know, if your brother has something in their eye, ignore it. We don't want that because that will take our, our focus off of God, who is supposed to be God sitting on that throne, the object of our worship, the most important relationship. So we don't want to ignore things, but how we deal with that in community is so important because we don't want people to to hear things with the wrong um, take things the wrong way and then be pushed further away 
because they didn't experience the love that God has for them. In a sense, we're being ambassadors to our to our brothers and sisters, reminding them of of the grace that we all share and being there, sitting with them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people don't need a lecture. Sometimes they just need someone to be there because we are beings that are designed in God's image and God is nothing else if not community. He is three in one. And so we get to share in that community with church Mm -hmm. and we have a very high calling in that regard. Mm -hmm. So this has been great and we've got just maybe a few more questions I think to round this this subject out. This has been really fun guys. Thank you. Good stuff. Thanks. Thanks.